Section 8 of Common Sense in the Household. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jude Summers. Common Sense in the Household A Manual of Practical Housewifery by Marion Harland. Section 8 Poultry. Poultry should never be eaten in less than six or eight hours after it is killed. It should be picked and drawn as soon as possible. There is no direr disgrace to our northern markets than the practice of sending whole dead fowls to market. I have bought such from responsible poultry dealers and found them uneatable, from having remained undrawn until the flavor of the craw and intestines has impregnated the whole body those who are conversant with the habit of careful country housewives of keeping up a fowl without food for a day or night before killing and dressing for their own eating cannot but regard with disgust the surcharged crops and puffy sides of those sold by weight in the shambles if you want to know what you really pay for poultry bought in these circumstances weigh the offal extracted from the fowl by your cook and deduct from the market weight but don't you know it actually poisons a fowl to lie so long undressed once exclaimed a southern lady to me in our markets they are offered for sale ready picked and drawn with the giblets also cleaned tucked under their wings i know nothing about the poisonous nature of the entrails and crops i do assert that the custom is unclean and unjust and this i do without the remotest hope of arousing my fellow housekeepers to remonstrance against established usage only it relieves my mind somewhat to grumble at what i cannot help the best remedy i can propose for the grievance is to buy live fowls and before sending them home ask your butcher to decapitate them the probabilities being greatly in favor of the supposition that your cook is too tender-hearted to attempt the job one word as to the manner of roasting meats and fowls in this day of ranges and cooking stoves i think i am speaking within bounds when i assume that not one housekeeper in fifty uses a spit or even a tin kitchen for such purposes it is in vain that the writers of recipe books inform us with refreshing naivete that all our meats are baked not roasted and expatiate upon the superior flavor of those prepared upon the english spits and in old-fashioned kitchens where enormous wood fires blazed from morning until night i shall not soon forget my perplexity when an inexperienced housekeeper and a firm believer in all that was writ by older and wiser people i stood before my neat mott's defiance a fine sirloin of beef ready to be cooked on the table behind me and read from my instruction book that my fire should extend at least eight inches beyond the roaster on either side of the spit i am not denying the virtues of spits and tin kitchens only regretting that they are not within the reach of every one in view of this fact let me remark for the benefit of the unfortunate many that in the opinion of excellent judges the practice of roasting meat in close ovens has advantages of these i need mention but two to wit the preservation of the flavor of the article roasted and the prevention of its escape 
to the upper regions of the dwelling. Roast Turkey After drawing the turkey, rinse out with several waters, and in next to the last, mix a teaspoonful of soda. The inside of a fowl, especially if purchased in the market, is sometimes very sour, and imparts an unpleasant taste to the stuffing, if not to the inner part of the legs and side bones. The soda will act as a corrective, and is moreover very cleansing. Fill the body with this water, shake well, empty it out, and rinse with fair water. Then prepare a dressing of breadcrumbs mixed with butter, pepper, salt, thyme, or sweet margarine. You may, if you like, add the beaten yolks of two eggs. A little chopped sausage is esteemed an improvement when well incorporated with the other ingredients. Or mince a dozen oysters and stir into the dressing. The effect upon the turkey meat, particularly that of the breast, is very pleasant. Stuff the craw with this and tie a string tightly about the neck to prevent the escape of the stuffing. Then fill the body of the turkey and sew it up with strong thread. This and the next string are to be removed when the fowl is dished. In roasting, if your fire is brisk, allow about ten minutes to a pound, but it will depend very much upon the turkey's age whether this rule holds good. Dredge it with flour before roasting, and baste often, at first with butter and water, afterward with the gravy in the dripping pan. If you lay the turkey in the pan, put in with it a teacup of hot water. Many roast always upon a grating placed on the top of the pan. In that case, the boiling water steams the under part of the fowl and prevents the skin from drying too fast or cracking. Roast to a fine brown, and if it threaten to darken too rapidly, lay a sheet of white paper over it until the lower part is also done. Stew the chopped giblets in just enough water to cover them, and when the turkey is lifted from the pan, add these, with the water in which they were boiled, to the drippings. Thicken with a spoonful of browned flour, wet with cold water to prevent lumping, boil up once, and pour into the gravy boat. If the turkey is fat, skim the drippings well before putting in the giblets. Serve with cranberry sauce. Some lay fried oysters in the dish around the turkey. Boiled Turkey Chop about two dozen oysters and mix with them a dressing compounded as for the turkey, only with more butter. Stuff the turkey as for the roasting, craw and body, and baste about it a thin cloth fitted closely to every part. The inside of the cloth should be dredged with flour to prevent the fowl from sticking to it. Allow fifteen minutes to a pound, and boil slowly. Serve with oyster sauce, made by adding to a cupful of the liquor in which the turkey was boiled, eight oysters chopped fine. Season with minced parsley. Stir in a spoonful of rice or wheat flour, wet with cold milk, a tablespoon of butter. Add a cupful of hot milk. Boil up once and pour into an oyster tureen. Send around celery with it. Turkey Scallop Cut the meat from the bones of a cold-boiled or roasted turkey left from yesterday's dinner. Remove the bits of skin and gristle, and chop up the rest very fine. 
Put in the bottom of a buttered dish a layer of cracker or bread crumbs. Moisten slightly with milk, that they may not absorb all the gravy to be poured in afterward. Then spread a layer of the minced turkey, with bits of the stuffing, pepper salt, and small pieces of butter. Another layer of cracker, wet with milk, and so on, until the dish is nearly full. Before putting on the topmost layer, pour in the gravy left from the turkey, diluted, should there not be enough, with hot water, and seasoned with Worcestershire sauce, or ketchup, and butter. Have ready a crust of cracker crumbs soaked in warm milk, seasoned with salt, and beaten up light with two eggs. It should be just thick enough to spread smoothly over the top of the scallop. Stick bits of butter plentiful upon it, and bake. Turn a deep plate over the dish until the contents begin to bubble at the sides, showing that the whole is thoroughly cooked. Then remove the cover and brown. A large pudding dish full of the mixture will be cooked in three quarters of an hour. This, like many other economical dishes, will prove so savory as to claim a frequent appearance upon any table. Cold chicken may be prepared in the same way. Or the minced turkey, dressing, and cracker crumbs may be wet with gravy, two eggs beaten into it, and the forcemeat thus made rolled into oblong shapes, dipped in egg and pounded cracker, and fried like croquettes, for a side dish, to make out a dinner of ham or cold meat. Ragout of Turkey This is also a cheap yet nice dish. Cut the cold turkey from the bones and into bits an inch long with a knife and fork, tearing as little as possible. Put into a skillet or saucepan the gravy left from the roast, with hot water to dilute it, should the quantity be small. Add a lump of butter the size of an egg, a teaspoon of pungent sauce, a large pinch of nutmeg with a little salt. Let it boil and put in the meat. Stew very slowly for ten minutes, not more, and stir in a tablespoonful of cranberry or currant jelly, another of browned flour which has been wet with cold water, lastly a glass of brown sherry or Madeira. Boil up once and serve in a covered dish for breakfast. Leave out the stuffing entirely. It is no improvement to the flavor and disfigures the appearance of the ragout. Roast Chickens Having picked and drawn them, wash out well in two or three waters, adding a little soda to the last one, should any doubtful odor linger about the cavity. Prepare a stuffing of breadcrumbs, butter, salt, and pepper. Fill the bodies and crops of the chickens, which should be young and plump. Sew them up and roast an hour or more, in proportion to their size. Baste two or three times with butter and water, afterward with their own gravy. If laid flat within the dripping pan, put in at the first a little hot water to prevent burning. Stew the giblets and necks in enough water to cover them, and when you have removed the fowls to a hot dish, pour this into the drippings. Boil up once, add the giblets, chopped fine, thicken with browned flour. Boil again, and send to table in a gravy boat. Serve with crab apple jelly or tomato sauce. 
Boiled chickens. Clean, wash, and stuff as for roasting. Baste a floured cloth around each and put into a pot with enough boiling water to cover them well. The hot water cooks the skin at once and prevents the escape of the juices. The broth will not be so rich as if the fowls are put on in cold water, but this is a proof that the meat will be more nutritious and better flavored. Stew very slowly for the first half hour especially. Boil an hour or more, guiding yourself by size and toughness. Serve with egg or bread sauce. Fricasseed Chicken White Clean, wash, and cut up the fowls, which need not be so tender as for roasting. Lay them in salt and water for half an hour. Put them in a pot with enough cold water to cover them, and half a pound of salt pork, cut into thin strips. Cover closely, and let them heat very slowly. Then stew for over an hour, if the fowls are tender. I have used chickens for this purpose that required four hours stewing, but they were tender and good when done. Only put them on in season, and cook very slowly. If they boil fast, they toughen and shrink into uneatableness. When tender, add a chopped onion or two, parsley and pepper. Cover closely again, and, when it has heated to boiling, stir in a cupful of milk, to which have been added two beaten eggs and two tablespoons of flour. Boil up fairly. Add a great spoonful of butter. Arrange the chicken neatly in a deep chafing dish, pour the gravy over it, and serve. In this case, as in all cases where beaten egg is added to hot liquor, it is best to dip out a few spoonfuls of the latter and drop a little at a time into the egg, beating all the while, that it may heat evenly and gradually before it is put into the scalding contents of the saucepan or pot. Eggs managed in this way will not curdle, as they are apt to do if thrown suddenly into hot liquid. Fricasseed Chicken Brown Clean, wash, and cut up a pair of young chickens. Lay in clear water for half an hour. If they are old, you cannot brown them well. Put them in a saucepan with enough cold water to cover them well, and set over the fire to heat slowly. Meanwhile, cut half a pound of salt pork into strips, and fry crisp. Take them out, chop fine, and put into the pot with the chicken. Fry in the fat left in the frying pan one large onion, or two or three small ones, cut into slices. Let them brown well, and add them also to the chicken, with a quarter teaspoonful of allspice and cloves. Stew all together slowly for an hour or more, until the meat is very tender. You can test this with a fork. Take out the pieces of fowl and put in a hot dish, covering closely until the gravy is ready. Add to this a great spoonful of walnut or other dark catsup, and nearly three tablespoonfuls of browned flour, a little chopped parsley, and a glass of brown sherry. Boil up once, strain through a colander to remove the bits of pork and onion, return to the pot with the chicken, let it come to a final boil, and serve, pouring the gravy over the pieces of fowl. Broiled Chicken 
it is possible to render a tough fowl eatable by boiling or stewing it with care never broil such and even when assured that your broiler is young it is wise to make this doubly sure by laying it upon sticks extending from side to side of a dripping pan full of boiling water set this in the oven invert a tin pan over the chicken and let it steam for half an hour this process relaxes the muscles and renders supple the joints besides preserving the juices that would be lost in parboiling the chicken should be split down the back and wiped perfectly clean before it is steamed transfer from the vapor bath to a buttered gridiron inside downward cover with a tin pan or common plate and broil until tender and brown turning several times from half to three-quarters of an hour will be sufficient put into a hot chafing dish and butter very well send to table smoking hot fried chicken number one clean wash and cut to pieces a couple of spring chickens have ready in a frying pan enough boiling lard or dripping to cover them well dip each piece in beaten egg when you have salted it and then in cracker crumbs and fry until brown if the chicken is large steam it before frying as directed in the foregoing recipe when you have taken out the meat throw into the hot fat a dozen sprigs of parsley and let them remain a minute just long enough to crisp but not to dry them garnish the chicken by strewing these over it fried chicken number two cut up half a pound of fat salt pork in a frying pan and fry until the grease is extracted but not until it browns wash and cut up a young chicken broiling size soak in salt and water for half an hour wipe dry season with pepper and dredge with flour then fry in the hot fat until each piece is a rich brown on both sides take up drain and set aside in a hot covered dish pour into the gravy left in the frying pan a cup of milk half cream is better thicken with a spoonful of flour and a tablespoon of butter add some chopped parsley boil up and pour over the hot chicken this is a standard dish in the old dominion and tastes nowhere else as it does when eaten on virginia soil the cream gravy is often omitted and the chicken served up dry with bunches of fried parsley dropped upon it chicken pot pie line the bottom and sides of a pot with a good rich paste reserving enough for a top crust and for the square bits to be scattered through the pie butter the pot very lavishly or your pastry will stick to it and burn cut up a fine large fowl and half a pound of corned ham or salt pork put in a layer of the latter pepper it and cover with pieces of the chicken and this with the paste dumplings or squares if you use potatoes parboil them before putting them into the pie as the first water in which they are boiled is rank and unwholesome the potatoes should be sliced and laid next to the pastry squares then another layer of pork and so on until your chicken is used up cover with pastry rolled out quite thick and slit this in the middle heat very slowly and boil two hours turn into a large dish the lower crust on top 
and the gravy about it. This is the old-fashioned pot pie, dear to the memory of men who were schoolboys thirty and forty years ago. If you are not experienced in such manufactures, you had better omit the lower crust, and having browned the upper by putting a hot pot lid or stove cover on top of the pot for some minutes, remove dexterously without breaking. Pour out the chicken into a dish and set the crust above it. Veal, beefsteak, lamb, not mutton, hares, etc., may be substituted for the chicken. The pork will salt it sufficiently. Baked Chicken Pie is made as above, but baked in a buttered pudding dish, and in place of the potatoes, three hard-boiled eggs are chopped up and strewed amongst the pieces of chicken. If the chickens are tough, or even doubtful, parboil them before making the pie, adding the water in which they are boiled, instead of cold water, for gravy. If they are lean, put in a few bits of butter. Ornament with leaves cut out with a cake cutter, and a star in the center. Bake an hour, more if the pie is large. Chicken Pudding Cut up as for fricassee and parboil, seasoning well with pepper, salt, and a lump of butter the size of an egg, to each chicken. The fowls should be young and tender, and divided at every joint. Stew slowly for half an hour, take them out, and lay on a flat dish to cool. Set aside the water in which they were stewed for your gravy. Make a batter of one quart of milk, three cups of flour, three tablespoons melted butter, half a teaspoonful soda, and one spoonful of cream tartar, with four eggs well beaten and a little salt. Put a layer of chicken in the bottom of the dish and pour about half a cupful of batter over it, enough to conceal the meat then another layer of chicken, and more batter, until the dish is full. The batter must form the crust. Bake one hour in a moderate oven, if the dish is large. Beat up an egg, and stir into the gravy, which was set aside. Thicken with two teaspoonfuls of rice or wheat flour, add a little chopped parsley, boil up, and send it to table in a gravy boat. Chicken and Ham Draw, wash, and stuff a pair of young fowls. Cut enough large, thick pieces of cold-boiled ham to envelop these entirely, wrapping them up carefully and winding a string about all to prevent the ham from falling off. Put into your dripping pan with a little water to prevent scorching, dashing it over the meat lest it should dry and shrink. Invert a tin pan over all and bake slowly for one hour and a quarter if the fowls are small and tender, longer if tough. Lift the cover from time to time to baste with the drippings, the more frequently as time wears on. Test the tenderness of the fowls by sticking a fork through the ham into the breast. When done, undo the strings, lay the fowls on a hot dish and the slices of ham about them. Stir into the dripping a little chopped parsley, a tablespoon of browned flour wet in cold water, pepper, and let it boil up once. Pour some of it over the chickens, not enough to float the ham in the dish. Serve the rest in a gravy boat. Roast Ducks 
clean wash and wipe the ducks very carefully to the usual dressing add a little sage powdered or green and a minced shallot stuff and sew up as usual reserving the giblets for the gravy if they are tender they will not require more than an hour to roast baste well skim the gravy before putting in the giblets and thickening the giblets should be stewed in a very little water then chopped fine and added to the gravy in the dripping pan with a chopped shallot and a spoonful of browned flour accompany with currant or grape jelly to use up cold duck i may say as preface that cold duck is in itself an excellent supper dish or side dish at a family dinner and is often preferred to hot if the duck has been cut into at all divide neatly into joints and slice the breast laying slices of dressing about it garnish with lettuce or parsley and eat with jelly but if a warm dish is desired cut the meat from the bones and lay in a saucepan with a little minced cold ham pour on just enough water to cover it and stir in a tablespoonful of butter cover and heat gradually until it is near boiling then add the gravy diluted with a little hot water a great spoonful of catsup one of worcestershire sauce and one of currant or cranberry jelly with a glass of wine and a tablespoonful of browned flour or you may put the gravy with a little hot water and a lump of butter in a frying pan and when it is hot lay in the pieces of duck and warm up quickly stirring in at the last a teaspoonful of worcestershire sauce and a teaspoonful of jelly serve in a hot chafing dish for wild ducks see game stewed duck this is a good way to treat an old tough fowl clean and divide as you would a chicken for fricassee put in a saucepan with several minced slices of cold ham or salt pork which is not too fat and stew slowly for at least an hour keeping the lid on all the while then stir in a chopped onion a half spoonful of powdered sage or of the green leaves cut fine half as much parsley a tablespoonful catsup and black pepper stew another half hour or until the duck is tender and add a teaspoonful brown sugar and a tablespoonful of browned flour previously wet with cold water boil up once and serve in a deep covered dish with green peas as an accompaniment guinea fowls many are not aware what an excellent article of food these speckled arabs of the poultry yard are they are kept chiefly for the beauty of their plumage and their delicious eggs which are far richer than those of chickens unless young they are apt to be tough and the dark color of the meat is objected to by those who are not fond of or used to eating game cooked according to the foregoing recipe they are very savory no matter how old they may be put them on early and stew slowly and good management will bring the desired end to pass there is nothing in the shape of game or poultry that is not amenable to this process providing the salt be omitted until the meat is tender but a pair of young guinea fowls stuffed and roasted basting them with butter until they are half done deserve an honorable place upon our bill of fare season the gravy with a chopped shallot parsley 
or summer savoury, not omitting the minced giblets, and thicken with browned flour. Send around currant or other tart jelly with the fowl. A little ham, minced fine, improves the dressing. Roast Goose Clean and wash the goose, not forgetting to put a spoonful of soda in next to the last water. Rinse out well, and wipe the inside quite dry. Add to the usual stuffing of bread crumbs, pepper, salt, etc., a tablespoonful melted butter, an onion chopped fine, a tablespoonful chopped sage, the yolks of two eggs, and some minute bits of pork fat. Stuff body and craw, and sew up. It will take fully two hours to roast if the fire is strong. Cover the breast, until it is half done, with white paper or a paste of flour and water, removing this when you are ready to brown. Make a gravy as for roast duck, adding a glass of sherry or Madeira, or, if you can get it, old port. Send to table with cranberry or applesauce. Goose Pie An old goose is as nearly good for nothing as it is possible for anything which was once valuable, and is not now absolutely spoiled, to be. The best use to put it to is to make it into a pie in the following manner. Put on the ancient early in the morning, in cold water enough to cover it, unsalted, having cut it to pieces at every joint. Warm it up gradually and let it stew, not boil hard, for four to five hours. Should the water need replenishing, let it be done from the boiling kettle. Parboil a beef's tongue, corned, cut into slices nearly half an inch thick. Also slice six hard-boiled eggs. Line a deep pudding-dish with a good paste. Lay in the pieces of goose, the giblets chopped, the sliced tongue and egg, in consecutive layers. Season with salt, pepper, and bits of butter, and proceed in this order until the dish is full. If the goose be large, cut the meat from the bones after stewing, and leave out the latter entirely. Intersperse with strips of paste, and fill up with the gravy in which the goose was stewed, thickened with flour. Cover with a thick paste, and when it is done, brush over the top with beaten white of egg. In cold weather, this pie will keep a week, and is very good. Roast Pigeons Clean, wash, and stuff as you would chickens. Lay them in rows, if roasted in the oven, with a little water in the pan to prevent scorching. Unless they are very fat, baste with butter until they are half done, afterwards with their own gravy. Thicken the gravy that drips from them, and boil up once, then pour into a gravy boat. The pigeons should lie close together in the dish. Stewed Pigeons Pick, draw, clean, and stuff as above directed. Put the pigeons in a deep pot with enough cold water to cover them, and stew gently for an hour, or until, testing them with a fork, you find them tender. Then season with pepper, salt, a few blades of mace, a little sweet marjoram, and a good piece of butter. Stew, or rather simmer, for five minutes longer. Then stir in a tablespoonful of browned flour. Let it boil up once, Remove the pigeons, draw out the strings with which they were sewed up, and serve, 
pouring the hot gravy over them. A little salt pork or ham, cut into strips, is an improvement. This should be put in when the pigeons have stewed half an hour. Broiled pigeons or squabs. Young pigeons or squabs are rightly esteemed a great delicacy. They are cleaned, washed, and dried carefully with a clean cloth, then split down the back and broiled like chickens. Season with pepper and salt and butter liberally in dishing them. They are in great request in a convalescence room, being peculiarly savory and nourishing. They may, for a change, be roasted whole, according to the recipe for roast pigeons. Pigeon pie is best made of wild pigeons. See Game. End of Section 8